I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. There's a lot more punks than there was four years earlier, but there was also as many posers. Posers were people that looked like punks, but they did it for fashion. Welcome to SLC Punks, a Utah jazz podcast brought to you by the staff of SLC Dunk. Now here's your hosts, Michael Lohman and James Hansen. All right, welcome back to the SLC Punks podcast. This is your host, Hanson James. And this is Milo, and we're back, baby. Back after All-Star break, ready to talk about the Jazz, who are one and one since the, the All-Star break. Uh, things are looking pretty good for Utah. They've gotten uh, a frustrating loss to the Thunder, which they went wire to wire, double overtime, uh, back-breaking shot by Paul George at the end. But the Jazz looks good. It honestly felt like a game where the Jazz probably should have won. They just found a way to lose that game. Uh, yeah. And that was one in which they they had, I think it was like five minutes, they had like a 97% chance of winning. Three minutes, they had a 83% chance. Two minutes, they had a 76% chance. And then they lost in 2 0 mm-hmm. Just some frustrating turnovers and mistakes and missed shots that if this shot goes in, they win. If this thing doesn't happen, they win. Frustrating loss, but overall, I personally am pretty excited about the Jazz. Uh, we wanted to talk today a little bit about things we're liking with the team, players we like, uh, you know, and then we'll go from there. Uh, the player that I'm really actually noticing a big change, well, there's two for me personally that I think have really uh, turned it on. Donovan Mitchell looks like a, the Donovan, Donovan Mitchell from last season after All-Star break. He looks refreshed. Oh, boy. Yes. He looks... He looks like the star we expected, and and this has actually been a trend since before All Star break. He had that that I can't remember if he won Player of the Month or Player of the Week uh, a few months ago, but he's really turned turned it on. And I think some of that has to do with overcoming injury. And I think post All Star break has just been uh, rest because he looked like a superstar against the Thunder. He just kind of ran out of gas, and mm-hmm. and against the the Mavericks, who he obviously was exhausted from the night before looked really solid again uh i'm excited about what we're seeing from donovan mitchell yeah i thought his performance the day after against dallas was spectacular i was really worried about how the utah jazz would perform after going double ot a lot of their guys played a lot of minutes and they dispelled any worries within the first few minutes of that game where Donovan Mitchell just took over again. He took over both games right from the get-go. And it doesn't feel... It felt like when Rubio had returned from injury, Donovan was used to taking over and being the guy. And when Rubio returned, it was like that feeling out process again. And their mo- and Donovan's mojo was kind of thrown off. He was still scoring a lot, but he wasn't as efficient as when he was the main uh, main guy at point guard. 
but after the all-star break it's like quinn snyder really focused in on how to make sure that with rubio in the lineup and returning from from injury now um that they are in sync they know their role and i think that's the most important part i think they both know now what their roles are because as donovan continues to improve and continues to get better um he's going to slowly envelop some of the responsibilities that ricky rubio had Mm -hmm. and that's just kind of the natural thing i don't care if ricky rubio was even a mike conley figure because donovan mitchell is so young and he's just good and he's continuing to get better and he's has a potential to be a superstar there are going to be some things that he takes over and you want him to be because he's so dynamic of a playmaker and it really looks like he knows now in what situations he needs to be the dude mm-hmm. and it looks like post all-star break donovan mitchell from last year where you're like this guy knows uh what the defense is going to be bringing him he knows his his levers he knows what he needs to do out there And he looks so much more in control. And I said this in the recap of the Mavericks game where it felt like because of the fatigue and because they had to play a bit slower and it wasn't like they had full turbo going on, they were much more deliberate and decisive with their playmaking decisions on the court. Rubio was. Rubio didn't have a single turnover. Donovan Mitchell only had two turnovers. And that's insane considering he has a usage rate of like 180%. And so that was that was a... I've been impressed with his two games back and especially on a back-to-back where he played at such a high level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As long as Donovan can stay healthy and, and just get minutes, he's just getting better and better. And we're watching him this season get better and better. Uh, And that's with a system and an on-court chemistry. That's not always that easy to work with. He has to deal with a lot of things that other uh, young players don't always have to deal with. Uh, and he's doing so and succeeding. That's exactly. the important thing. When people, um, I, I think Kurt Goldsberry had something today where he showed the um, worst shooters at every spot on the floor. And it was a minimum of like 300 field goal attempts. Mm-hmm. And Donovan Mitchell was lowest at the rim. And we all know that last year he was really successful um, when he took it to the 10. Uh, now there's more scouting. Uh, the Jazz haven't been shooting the ball well from outside. If you've been paying attention lately, uh, Kyle Korver is only shooting 29% from three for February. Mm-hmm. Um, before the All-Star break, uh, Joe Ingles was shooting, what, 34% from three? And those are their two sharp shooters. And so it, people weren't really scared of Utah really bombing from, from outside on them. And so Donovan's having to work uphill and still – the Utah Jazz are getting are pulling out wins with this. Now there's it's not all Donovan Mitchell, we know. Rudy Gobert plays a very, 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 very big role in in shutting it down, giving people space, um, getting those screen assists, uh, making sure that people have to defend the verticality in the paint. So but Donovan Mitchell, if, if as they're playing these easier opponents, the Jazz can get more in rhythm, hopefully knock on wood mm-hmm. and and then they're able to really get a lot um donovan's able to increase that i, I don't think he's going to be the worst um finisher at the rim by the time this season is over with the way the jazz's schedule is and 
yeah, some guys can get out of their slump. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to be tough because teams are just guarding the Jazz in a specific way. They just don't guard Rubio. And they, can. and they don't have to worry about favors at the three-point line. So that just makes it very difficult for, for the Jazz. And so the fact that Donovan's, you know, figuring it all out regardless is just a sign of how good he's going to be. Uh, not to finish this year necessarily, but just in the future. When, like, Donovan almost mm-hmm. at times when he gets to the rim, it's almost like he is almost shocked. <laughs> That's why I think he's missed a few at times because he's just so used to like having three guys in the paint, uh, making it hard on him that when he does have that lane, it's just, he's almost not used to it. But Donovan so far has been yeah, fantastic. I, I, and I, I think he's been playing a lot of the season, like with, you know, when you train with extra weights, um, you run with weights or you, you, you swim with something, uh, with a lot of drag so that for the final race, you, you know, you feel like, wow, I got all the speed. I don't have all this extra weight on me. Um, I think Donovan Mitchell is going to have that same feeling if the jazz are able to land a big piece in the summer, whether it's through trade or free agency, I think he's going to be surprised at how much easier it is to get a shot and to, and to get to the basket. And that's just going to be night uh, causing nightmares for opponents for the utah jazz if they're able to uh able to yeah, do speaking that. Of that the kirk goldsbury also put out a thing just showing the team efficiency and jazz the jazz unsurprisingly are very high on the defensive side up there with the best teams in the league it just shows that if the jazz can get an offensive stud in this offseason they are going to be really really good and maybe title contender good because they have Donovan Mitchell, who's a stud. They have uh, Rudy Gobert, who's the best defensive player in the league. They have Joe Ingles, who's a very high-level starter and rotation player on the wing. If they can get somebody for nothing, like just sign someone outright to add to that core, they are going to be fantastic. But that's, I guess, the story for another day because right now they're playing towards the playoffs. And speaking of Joe Ingles, he's the other player who has looked like the all-star break was really good for him. He's hitting threes at a remarkable rate. He's screaming back to the mean and hitting, I mean, his shot making, his three-point shot, I think he shot 60% from three against the Thunder. He shot. He was 56. He's 56. He he was five for nine nine in both games. And before those games, he was 34%. And after those games, he was almost So he's already coming back to what he was. In just two games. And so you just hope that Joe Ingles is kind of, uh, found some peace of mind with all the things that he's been dealing dealing with recently and found a way to kind of get his mojo back. Hopefully, you know, obviously the most important thing is his home life and Jacob and and ha- taking care of his family. But if he's somehow found a way to, you know, just be at peace with those things, find a way to make it work and also be able to, to you know, play well, that's amazing because... I, I I can't imagine what what his his like what his family's been going through. I mean that has to be um, really tough. That, like that, that we you know obviously us talking on this podcast like you know no one, <laughs> no one cares what we say honestly about it. Joe Joe Ingles shouldn't care. I just can imagine that it's just really difficult on top of how hard it is just to raise kids and be on the road. Yeah. But then when you're dealing with like just dealing with you know coping with that and figuring it out and and being away and Renee's by herself Mm -hmm. like that, like the, the hero of the whole story, 
you know, be, I mean, Joe gets to write, write the post and have his humor and, and he's, he's a stud and we know he's an, a, an awesome husband, but the real hero is, is his wife who, you know, there's times where like they're away from family. I remember when this news broke and I'm like, man, I remember when things would go down and me and my wife lived in Indiana and our family's over back in Idaho, both sides were like, man, it's it, when you, when, when things go awry, there's, there's, there's no family structure there for you to lean on. You just got each other. Mm-hmm. And I think about them and away from their family over there in Australia. And so, um, you know, when, when, when things are going sideways and it's hard for people to leave, like it, I, yeah, he's, he's got the means to be able to bring in family and fly him in and all of that, but people can only leave their jobs and, and, and their, their main livelihoods for so long before, you know, you got to go back. And, and so to be isolated, um, like that and, and to be finding that out on your own and you're worried about your kid and, and I think both of us, as we both have kids, is when when something's just not right with with your with your child, and your your mind instantly goes to like the worst possible scenario, where it's just like they cough, and you're like, oh my gosh, you're gonna die. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is how it all ends. Or or I've heard something, and I saw something on d- 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 investigation discovery, and this is how it all. Or you know, it, it, and so for for that, and I. If if it's easy for us who have normal nine to five jobs that uh, no not in the limelight don't have to worry about that we're not entertainers like these athletes are, and then to go out there and and because Joe let's let's be frank Joe Ingles is like an, he's a straight up entertainer he trash talks he gets the crowd into it like that's his that's his that's his shtick man and it's it's hard to be you know that that guy. When in the back of your head, you're like, okay, tomorrow we have to take him to the doctor and this, and we didn't get an answer today. And I'm really frustrated, but I got to put all that behind me. And that whole thing of where they're like, you know what, leave what, uh, you know, leave whatever's going on at home at the door is like, that's complete bull. Like, <laughs> no one does because everyone, everyone is built of, of emotion. And, and I do, uh, I, I wrote today, I said it for him to come out and, and say it like he didn't do it for himself, but I do think there was something cathartic about putting it out there. And it's like, okay, you know, there's, 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 there's no secrets. And I, I think not that when you keep things with inside the family, it's like you have this like terrible secret and you're not telling the truth. But I think um, it makes things hard when, when you're around others and you, and you need a support structure and you, and you don't want to have to explain a ton of things with, with people. Right. Like you don't want to be, Hey, Hey, just to give you a heads up, this is what's going on. And he kind of like set his boundaries too in, in the article of like, Hey, this is what, what's going on. These are questions. Everything's fine. Everything's as normal as, as, as it was before this, we just know what normal is now. And uh, it's, it was just awesome. And so far he looks like he's balanced. Yeah, he looks like, he looks like he's, he looks like he's balanced bit. on the court. So hopefully you know, that week was a, a chance to actually cope with it and just deal with it and, you know, catch up and just be with and just be present mm-hmm. with your family. And it's never like going to be easy. It's not like it's so special. ever like he said in the thing. It's not like this gets cured. This is always going to be like a trial at times. You know, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with their kid. It just means that, you know, it's just sometimes going to come with 
um, challenges and things that he's always going to have to deal with. And so hopefully uh, Joe's just, it looks like uh, by his on-court play, he might be, you know, a little bit better. I'm sure like there's times, because this season, just to be honest, there's been times where it looked like there was something wrong. It looked like he might be extra tired or exhausted. And, and we just found out that he was. I know. Because and I'm we, sure there's we, times and, where he's playing the game yeah, and he's and, like waiting on a diagnosis from the doctor and you're sitting there worried about that. And now you also have to worry about guarding Paul George and like, it's gotta be the worst. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's, it's definitely hard to juggle. And I, I like how he's being a voice for, for um, just an, a, another powerful ally out there for, um, for bringing awareness yeah. about autism and, and, uh, and, 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 and the thing is, is it's it's so refreshing to, especially with someone with Joe's humor. Um, when you read that post, like you can hear him, like you can, like you could hear things where you're just like, oh, that's a that's a Joe mm-hmm. quip right there. That's a uh, that would be that would be a, a free side comment. That was that was nice, and and uh, and yeah, it it it. I think what's been really cool in the month of February. Is we've seen um, a lot of jazz players at their most uh, vulnerable. Um, we saw um, Rudy Gobert um, when he um, was talking about his mom uh, calling him, and she was crying about him uh, not making the All Star game. And he's and he starts to get get uh, teary eyed just thinking about you know his, his mother. And and I think there's uh, some mixture of like that her calling a little homesick, you know, because you do. I mean, they're, you're still 20, like they're 20 mm-hmm. somethings and, and, and all of that. And, and just that, that, that's just emotion. You actually get to see that. And, and it's really special for Joe who is known for not being gruff with the media, but he, I mean, he, he does his job. He says his, he says his words, but he's not the type of person to be like seeking out Andy and be like, what's up, what's going on? Like he, he, he likes his, he's a, mm-hmm. he's a private person. And so um, I think, and, and Rudy Gobert, it's the same way. These, these are very, the guys who you would assume are, are pretty private and they've been really um, uh, just re- wearing uncharacteristically, they're hard on their sleeve in a different way. And I think that's awesome for a beating male stereotypes, B um, being great examples of, um, of either uh, fathers or sons and I think it's just really cool. Uh, Utah Jazz, it, as much as we maybe rag, <laughs> you know, sometimes like, oh, the chemistry and blah, blah, blah. As much as we, we, we sometimes rag on that and want some top-end players, it is really special the type of guys that they do have. And even though the Jazz didn't make a, a make a move at the deadline and, yeah, okay, the talent – yes, the talent is still not where it needs to be. It it You're not stuck with like a – bunch of guys with these their talent abilities and they have the temperament mm-hmm. of like a jimmy butler or a jr smith like these guys are very easy to mm-hmm. root for on and off the court so so it, it makes things e- it's like the the plan b is not the is it still still tastes good it's, it's okay um i would say the person i um he didn't have a good game against uh against the mavericks but he dude just looked gassed um, Derek Favors been playing well. Derek Favors in that game 
against uh, against the Thunder. He looked five years younger. Man, he looked like he had found the fountain of youth and a nice tub on on All Star break. He he was he was spry. It, he was cutting to the basket. I was what I was really impressed was um, a lot of the times he can get caught um, kind of just camping um, in the corner mm-hmm. where he's not really effective. And um, he was he was taking advantage of the Thunder just um, losing track of him, and so he would he he was meandering around the perimeter, then making hard cuts to the rim or back. He kept on. I th- he I think he got hit with a backdoor pass like mm-hmm. three different times for a dunk. And and like the stuff that they did against Carmelo, um, they were doing again, um, but using Derek Favors. And so um, I, I think that Oklahoma City game, I think it was, I, I think it was encouraging. I think, on the other hand, um, one thing that's worrying to me is uh, the up and down of Rubio still going. He has a he has a really rough game against the Thunder, who. To be fair, are a very good uh, ball hawking team. They lead the league in in deflections. They they have Paul George and Russell Westbrook on the perimeter. That's going to create a lot of havoc. Well, and, and then all, and that, that, if you're a player that's prone to turning the ball over, they're going to enhance that to the next level, which they did. Right, and and, and they also now and that uh, and that Ferguson kid, he's got some serious length. And so um what I what I am worried about with say um with Rubio is that I am worried that um this up and down is going to continue in it and if it if it happens in the playoffs I'm worried that the rhythm will be off in a seven game series for Utah not to get past the first round. Mhm. Um really because it, it really does feel like he has a good game and then he has a bad game. He has a good game and if you look at his game logs it's like that. It's like good game bad game, good game bad game, good game bad game, bad game, good game, good game like it's it it it, it it's not very consistent with with him. And so um and I I and part of that is it's teams are leaving him open and against both against the Thunder uh against the Thunder he um he had some big shots. I'd argue that those shots wouldn't have been there, uh, wouldn't have been necessary if probably Quinn Snyder were to pull him um, and put in Royce or somebody else who um, – but then at the same time, you're, you looked at Donovan, and Donovan just was gassed, and he was having to take on the ball, uh, like the, the main playmaking responsibilities, the, the scoring, but he ended up having to do so anyway. Mm-hmm. And so you might as well take out the liability. And so, um, but I, th- uh, who was it? I can't remember. It was Tony Jones or Andy Larson who said, if you did take him out though, that's, a, it, it sets a bigger precedent than just one game. And I do agree with that because if you do take him out, then what you're saying is it doesn't, I'm not riding with you. And uh, I, I think that's a dangerous thing to do when you don't have Dante Exum healthy well, because you don't have if, if Dante's healthy, he probably gets a lot of minutes in that game uh, because that mm-hmm. was not a good game from Rubio. It was just pretty bad overall. And Dante could have come in and 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 played well. The Jazz need Dante to come back desperately because they can't make a move like that until they have Dante back who they can say, hey, we're not just taking away from Rubio. We're actually just handing the reins to this other guy 
who right and and he had and he has comparable skills uh, because uh, at least when Dante Exum is out there he is a playmaker he's a plus defender like he's giving you the same things that um so to speak that Ricky Rubio does playmaking and defense and ball hawking mm-hmm. and so you can just be like hey he does everything that you do um we it's it just hey you're you're stuck in your head we're just going to put Dante Exum out there no no big deal um versus like if you put Royce out there or, or Hal Neto that's a that that's a message. Mm-hmm. Although versus you don't have. It. I do think there comes a point where we need to stop worrying so much about what Ricky Rubio's feeling and her thinking at all times. <laughs> like I love Ricky Rubio, right? But I was looking at some things, uh, just like the Jazz net rating and the best net rating right now since like All Star break is Howell Neto. Uh, you can. Take that information how you will, but I just think that it, at this point for the Jazz, winning is the number one thing. And sometimes, if your point guard is turning the ball over eight times, you've got to fix it somehow. And against the Thunder, how uh, mm-hmm. Neto's going to struggle against Russell Westbrook? That's just a fact. And I think that was another thing too. Is like the like you wanted to be able to put Hal Neto out there. But I do think he would have got flamed uh, by Russell, and just because he has, he just didn't have the size advantage. And Russell looked like he was playing to avenge every playoff loss in one forty-eight minute game. And I, I will say though, I don't know. And, I mean, we can say well, Neto got flamed, but I mean, Ruby got flamed. <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah. And so he did. There comes a point where you're like, he, you know what? Uh, probably need to put in the other guy who's not going to get sober. But yeah, oh well. But I can I can definitely see a Quinn side of that. I can definitely see where he's like, uh, do I do it or you know do I do I want to lose him for? Because when Dante Exum comes back, you have that you know you have that you have that leeway. But when you do not have your safety net, do you is that the time to? Uh, um, to, so to speak, yeah. bail on the airplane and hope that the and that's parachute player really <laughs> like Quinn because Quinn really believes in you. Although there's always that other side of the coin, like there's going to be players that are going to be frustrated. Like, you know, why do I always get the pull? But this guy can go out and have eight turnovers and he never gets yanked. And that can be something that you know. That's just why it's Quinn Snyder's job and being just a coach in the NBA is a tough job. Because you've got a bunch of these personalities you've got to deal with. Uh, you know, I'm guessing that part of these things is also just Donovan is a big fan of Ricky Rubio. And maybe it's, I don't know if it's just like making Donovan happy. Maybe honestly could be a little bit of sending Donovan a message like, hey, this is what happens when we keep him in. Uh, would you like to win these games? You know, uh, it's tough. It's a tough, tough thing. Uh, it really, really sucks that Dante... Uh, had that bone, bru- bone bruise when they, I'm sure what happened is the Jazz were just expecting Dante to be ready to go soon, and, and they look at the MRI results mm-hmm. and they're like, ah, dang it! <laughs> if I, speaking of that, we have not talked about that, and I totally feel like if they knew he had a bone bruise, there's no way in hell he oh, would have been at practicing. All. That to me sounds like they they did not, or they thought the bone bruise would heal at about the same time, and they saw it like at the beginning, and they're like, "Ah, oh, we're good." By the time his 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 uh, 
his ankle uh, is all you know not swollen and he's able to get that mobility we're going to be all good to go and even the 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 media that was closer was starting to put out the SM hype pieces i enjoy everything and 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 i i I was like and i was like okay he's coming back he's coming back and then the wording against the oklahoma city game when they said he's out for oklahoma city and you're like okay we're not doing the two weeks by two weeks thing he's probably going to be back against the dallas mavericks we're all good and then um the minute I saw that uh, Shams had tweeted something about Dante Exum, I was, was like, it Shams? oh, mother effort. Oh, I didn't even realize. Oh, Shams got some, got a piece of that too. So it was Andy, it, but I, 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 I got Shams on notifications. So I saw that and I was like, oh, mother <laughs> effort, this is not good. Well, he's coming back. I'm sure not. I don't know what it said when he's coming back. The Jazz need him though, because he was showing so many fantastic yeah. signs. Like yeah. he... He was consistently uh, just doing Dante things while he was playing and showing those. And it was consistent. Like it was just consistently every night doing great. And then he turned his ankle. And that's just, you know, that's just part of the Dante Exum experience a little bit recently. But yeah, he's probably going to be returning. It would probably be March 8th. Um, Well, actually, I would say it would be Monday, March 11th um, because. Um, if, if two weeks is the eighth and they're in Memphis. And so he'll probably be in Utah still rehabbing. He won't probably, he won't most likely won't be with the team. Then the team comes back on that Monday and they play uh, with, the Oklahoma city thunder. Uh, big test for home. Dante so, to see how he does with that long defensive team. But I, you know what is defense against Russell yeah. Westbrook has a chance. I mean, it has a chance to be just incredible. And I just can't, see that and then just dante's mm-hmm. ability to break the paint and 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 settle the bench and settle the bench like all the bench is right now is playing out of their their normal ro- roles right now and so um that's just going to give them more depth and quite frankly give rubio and mit at mitchell just some breathers man i mean they're like uh that's gonna it it it'll help It'll help a ton. I think uh, the thing is we're we're looking forward to for the this stretch run. I think um, up until this point, I, I can't remember who had shown it, but they showed the the variability of the Utah Jazz. And so the higher the variability, the worse it is. It means you you're the least consistent. And the Jazz rated as the least consistent team in the NBA. Um, and anybody who is a Jazz fan can say, yeah, I could have told you that. And so leading up to these, these final two weeks, it's easy to get caught up and be like, yeah, the jazz have the easiest schedule to end it. I mean, it's, it's pre pre cupcake, but at the same time, they have shown a penchant that they can lose to anybody on any given night and they can beat anybody on any given night. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you're here is in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. But the key is you don't know which one is 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 going to show up. And 
because they're so inconsistent, I think we've all been reaching at straws being like, okay, well, Rubio controls her ceiling or uh, Derek Favors controls her ceiling or Rudy Gobert controls her ceiling or Donovan Mitchell controls her ceiling. And the fact of the matter is they're just not talented enough where one guy is going to be able to really control whether they win or lose. And for Utah to win, they have to have usually about four guys really mm-hmm. show up. And 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 we saw that in the playoffs. They were able to beat the Oklahoma City Thunder because a lot of dudes showed up for the playoffs. Ricky Rubio showed up. Donovan Mitchell showed up. Joe Ingles showed up. Rudy Gobert showed up. Derek Favors showed up. Like they had they all had big games night after night after night. So it wasn't every dude. But the minute they go to like a two-faced team where you have just Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell trying to throw this team on their back, they just fall apart and they need and they don't have the top end talent to be able to have a couple guys just throw their throw the team on their back and carry them to a victory like Oklahoma City or Golden State or Houston. They just don't have that. And so um and that's what's been frustrating about Ricky Rubio being up and down. That's what's been hard about um, Joe Ingles. Um, I, a lot of us thought that Joe Ingles, we were, I think, in our internal uh, Slack channel with uh, with SLC Dunk, a lot of us were like, oh my gosh, is this the decline? Is this it? Is this how, how it all starts? Um, and now we know what was really going on in the back. Um Derek Favors has been consistent, but unfortunately he, ha- he can't be consistent from three. So he can only play so many minutes. And then Jay Crowder, my goodness, is he the definition of like a, just a swing? Like he's either going to go three for 20 or 18 for 20, but my hell, you don't know which one it's going to be. And so, and that's, and that's who they are and that's who, who they are. And hopefully against easier teams, they're, they can get into some sort of rhythm and they look like they've they're in a way better rhythm after the all-star break. But I mean, um, even though they have an easy schedule, here's, here's who they play. Um, they have the Clippers who are fighting for that eight seed. Um, they have the nuggets. They go away to play the nuggets and they have the buzzsaw. That is the bucks. And they play the, the peak dysfunction, the Pelicans twice in a row. So no worries. Memphis, screw them. Um, Thunder, at home, that's going to be another tough one because the Thunder are playing them like it. They'll get to the second round if they beat them every single time. Um, then they have easy teams. They have the Suns, Timberwolves, Nets, Wizards, Hawks, uh, Knicks, Bulls. So Suns. So those. Th- that's a streak where they should just go on a tear. But like we know, eh, bad things can happen. Um, then they play the Lakers, who will be fighting for their lives. They play the Washington Wizards again with. Eh, then they play the Charlotte Hornets, who are playing for their playoff lives um, in April. Then they at the Suns, who are going to be tanking for Zion, so no big deal. Kings that are going to be fighting for their lives. Lakers, Nuggets, Clippers. And that's how they end. So the Kings, Lakers, Nuggets, Clippers, at the beginning of the season, looks like, oh, man, this is going to be okay to end the season with. And now it's like, ah, oh, dang, we have to pay the Kings, yeah. Lakers, Nuggets, Clippers. It's, a, it's got some tough games, but you are going to have some of those teams. Which uh, – Tanking, I guess. If the Jazz have Joe Ingles back, honestly, Joe Ingles is the bellwether most games. I, I think you wrote a thing about I well, you wrote a thing about Ricky Rubio that it really doesn't matter if he has a good game or a bad game. But Joe Ingles is just like if Joe Ingles has a good game, the Jazz just win. That's because just basically he opened it up. 
he makes it easier for Ricky Rubio. Um, because and the rim and, and all those, it for, mm-hmm. he's just a lights out shooter. He's just a, he's just a ball. Like when he plays well, it's hard to lose because not only do you have his play. I mean, he's just, when, when Joe Ingles is hitting that three, like he does, he, it just, it just, I mean, he's a baller. I don't know how else to say it because he hits that three. And then because he's an, he has ability to drive to the rim and he finishes at the rim at a high level. He also is able, he's such a good passer that his, you know, it just opens everything up and it just skewers defenses. There's just not a lot they can do. If when Joe's having a tough game, it's really hard for Utah to win because what that does is it literally makes it so that they only have one shooter on the floor. And that's Donovan Mitchell. And yeah, that's why all eyes are in him. All eyes are already on him. Yeah. I think, I think the thing with, with Ricky is, um, cause it, I mean, it's easy to say he, he's, he's the key because he's so up and down. Um, but there's no correlation. I, I, I look at Ricky, like he's a pilot fish, you know, those, those fish that like clean out the shark's teeth. Mm-hmm. Like they're not, they're not bringing the food. They're not the shark. Um, and it's just knowing which one is which. Like he's needed. You need him. Like he's a symbiotic creature to to the Jazz. You need him um, in order to have the victory. But it, it it's how directly is he impacting that win? And uh, when Joe Ingles eats, there's scraps left over for for Ricky Rubio. When Ricky Rubio eats, there's there's nothing left. Um, and so for for Utah to really um really succeed. I, I agree. I think it's, it's Joe Ingles. Uh, Joe Ingles really has to, um, he has to be aggressive. Um, like for example, the past two games, he's shot nine times from, um, from three over the, in 2019, all of 2019, um, he had only done that twice prior to, um, Oklahoma city and Dallas. And he did it twice in the last two games. So he's already like bombing away. And that's and and it felt like in prior games, um, before uh, before when it, bef- they were playing before the All Star break, if he hit a if he missed a few, he was going to finish with only like four attempts from three, which is ridiculous if you're Joe Ingles, because the numbers say that you're going to you're going to hit forty percent if you just keep bombing. Mm-hmm. And so for him to 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 pull it back, and then he's and then he's driving and he's uh, he he's a he's an elusive um driver but he's not not say he's not beating anybody off the dribble and he's pretty darn so, crafty though and he really he's crafty he's well. crafty like he kind of gets to but the rim. It, but if he's but if he's given up the three though like if he's if he's for, if he's totally giving it up and going to the rim every single time you've won as a defense yeah if he's not taking that three it kind of unravels everything but when he's making that three he is one of the most dif- i mean it's not a joke to say he's one of the most difficult guys to deal with in the league because he shoots at such a high level he he um just guards at a high level and he's just such a good offensive player he's just he makes the right decision he makes the right pass he if he has that little that little look off move where he kind of fakes to the the rim runner and then just finishes at the rim or instead he, if he sees that the rim runner is open, he just gets it to him. He's just, he's just a great ball player and he makes the team so much better. So when Joe Ingles is playing well, the jazz uh, win, that's why jazz fans should be excited. Uh, and really like they should do well in this last stretch against 
um, an easier schedule. If Joe Ingles keeps up what we've seen the last two games, if Joe Ingles plays like high level Joe Ingles, the Jazz are going to win a lot of these games. If he doesn't, then it's like we said, you need three or four other guys to be doing well. And that means you're relying on Ricky Rubio to have a good game. Uh, Jay Crowder to have a good shooting night. Uh, all these different things. And that's... Uh, we've seen that story. It's a frustrating one. <laughs> and so if Joe Ingles is hitting that corner three, it's allowing Donovan Mitchell to kind of... That's the other thing, too, is uh, Joe Ingles is the secondary ball handler on the Jazz that the team, the opposing teams have to guard. Uh, with Ricky Rubio, they it's just they know what the game plan is. It's just back off, force him to beat you with his shooting. And R- Rubio last year kind of figured out that mid-range shot and things, and it seems like teams are even trying to take that away because uh, they know that's kind of his shot that he's developed. Uh, with Joe Ingles, he hits everything from every uh, element, and if he's hitting that three, it allows it allows Donovan Mitchell to run the show. He can like drive or kick out to that corner three shooter. And it makes offense pretty simple. Uh, that's why I do think that um, one of the things the Jazz need to do this remaining stretch is find a way to have Donovan Mitchell initiating the offense with Royce O'Neal on the floor. Royce has been hitting threes, uh, just spot up threes at just an incredible rate. And the player we're seeing now in Royce O'Neal, uh, compared to what we saw the first third, first half of the season, is night and day. I think I think Royce, right. I think Royce O'Neal has kind of figured out what his strengths are uh and maybe what his strengths are not. And that's got to be a hard thing for a player in his second year who believes that he should be a starter, I'm sure. Uh and has just learned like, "Hey, my strength is just not a initiate the offense playmaker off the dribble. It's just not his strength." But what his strength is, is just lights out spot up shooting. And it seems like he can hit from anywhere on the floor, too. Royce has a chance. I feel like a difference maker. Yeah, I feel like Royce went through like a mini thing, kind of like Rodney Hood did, where Rodney Hood showed signs of being a playmaker off the off the screen. Mm -hmm. And then when Gordon Hayward left, you're like, oh, no, he's just getting that because there's there was George Hill and Gordon Hayward. And teams had to worry about that, and they were like, okay, well, I guess I'll deal with this Rodney Hood. That's fine. And I think Royce O'Neal kind of got glimpses of that last year in the playoffs because teams were so focused on Donovan Mitchell or Ricky Rubio or Joe Ingles that when Royce was playmaking, they're like, okay, we'll deal with this. And he was having some success with it. But then this season when they were like, okay, we're going to work on that, and it was like it wasn't working at all. And... It, it was kind of like a mini Rodney Hood. It didn't go on as long. It wasn't as as uh, laboring because Utah definitely had a plan of being a playoff team and not, hey, let's figure out who our boys are type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so and and so he just was he was sat really quick. And I, I think every time he got to the floor, he tried to he tried to play make and I and for the first three months and and he got a quick pull because it just wasn't working. And the minute he started to go back into his role of what worked of being like, I'm just going to play really tough defense and I might end the game with only five points, a rebound and two two rebounds and an assist, but I'm going to make sure my guy doesn't score and I'm going to disrupt on the defensive end. I'm going to be that guy. And, and since he, he, he's uh, 
locked into that role, he's been spectacular. And that is Royce's role, a low usage three and D guy who, who who's going to knock down an open three and who's just going to play just well. And I think rough I think defense he's also, for he's also for had a lot of plays where you see him do that straight line drive and dunk it. And he can definitely do that too. But when you start asking him to do more than just like, you know, if he sees a lane to the hoop, he's definitely able to go take it. And we've seen him cram it on people. But when it starts getting to be more than that is when he really struggles. And I think, I think you've got to give a lot of credit to Quinn, who was honestly at times driving me a little crazy with like, why does this guy constantly keep getting it? And Quinn knew. And that's why sometimes James is a dummy because like Quinn sees it in practice that this guy is a lights out shooter and, and you got to give credit to Quinn for like letting him figure it out over the season. Now we're really bearing the fruits of it. And I honestly think if you can find a way to keep Royce O'Neal on the floor in a positive way and where, you know, Donovan's not getting overwhelmed as the primary playmaker and ball handler. If you can figure out situations to keep Royce on the floor, that's a huge win because he's shooting 40 plus percent right now from three, I think. And that's a huge weapon for Utah who has struggled so much to find shooting and spacing. Like if you have Mm -hmm. something on lineups on the floor where you can get away with Donovan uh, being surrounded by shooters like Corver and, and Royce and, you know, if George, if Jay Crowder can be hitting shots at at least at an average rate with Rudy Gobert setting screens, that's, that's a good team. Uh, You just got to make sure Donovan can handle those types of playmaking. That's where you have, uh, it's just tough. It's going to be tough to see. That's why if you can have uh, just a secondary playmaker for Utah at some point, and that's going to come in the off season. Yeah. And that's, and that's, it's going to be really interesting because there was a report that they were talking, Mike Conley was talking to the Memphis press and he just totally feels like he's going to be gone. Um, He's going to be gone in the off season. And, and so he's going to be available. There's going to be multiple playmakers who are available via free agency. Um, The draft always makes people crazy because they'll overvalue a prospect way too uh, soon. And, and then, you know, you can, you can get a veteran because people are playing the long game. Um, for as much as, you know, people, there's, a, I know there's, there's, there's weird people out there who are like, oh, the Jazz should have never traded their first round pick uh, for, for George Hill, because look at like, Tor- like, would you rather have Torian Prince? And I'm like, uh, Atlanta was trying to trade him at the deadline. They're like, please yeah. take him. We'll would Torian Prince be nice? Sure. He wouldn't be taking us over the top. And guess what? We made the playoffs that year. He, we and, won games. That's what good teams do. They go yeah. to the playoffs and they, they mm-hmm. trade players or they trade picks to improve their team. Now the jazz are good now. And there could be, I think there'll be a situation that presents itself uh, like that at the, um, before the draft. Um, and whether that is Mike Conley, um, Utah might make some, some different moves. Um, just trying to, uh, it's going to be interesting because if they, if, if a player comes available via trade, all of a sudden Utah hat, has to play it much differently than what they were able to because they won't have expiring deals. That's and so I think that's going to remember. They can, if I remember right, they can do it before the draft or just right after, but not at. Well, because if the Jets, um, but they had not so, free, I don't know. But uh, and if the Jets, because because if I remember right, because you're signing you're signing draft picks for the next season, 
So you can't trade Actually, them for yeah. a contract that ends last. Well, free season. agency comes after the but draft, can... I think. I unless they changed it this year, because I remember we drafted Donovan Mitchell and then Gordon Hayward left. Uh, yep, and then they traded for they traded um, the expiring contract of Boris Diaw um, for uh, Ricky Rubio and a draft pick. Yeah. So, and that's how they and that's how they got matched the contracts, and that's how they um, brought him in. So you can do that, but you ha- you have to, but you can only do that for contracts that – because it's the reason why you can't do a draft pick, if I remember right, is the draft pick is going to be signed starting for the next season. It didn't. It doesn't start it, it for 2018, 2019. So you can trade some uh, an expiring that ends this season before the end of June, if I remember right, for a, for a contract that's already running concurrently at that same time. But not for like a rookie or something else. So um, it will be interesting. The, does free agency um, open before the draft starts? No, I it wish should. They should do the they should do free agency before the draft. So the draft is like, okay, we missed out on X. So let's mm-hmm. go. Instead of being like, okay, well, let's sell the farm. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating. So, so that's tough for Utah, but they're. I mean, the Jazz are gonna. If you're dumb if you're not uh what's the word tampering like if the jazz aren't tampering the heck out of things oh, yeah. I mean, they're they all do it all the teams know what's going on like once the season's over it's just magic 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 is just the one who it? i think magic johnson's taken over the line though johnson is like the, the crazy thing with johnson is it feels like clutch sports is like an arm of the lakers right now it doesn't feel like it's his own agency. Like at least when agencies are like colluding, they're like trying to get the max money for their player or whatnot. Um, like they, they feel like their own entity. Like, and I think agent. the thing that feels slimy about what's going on with the Lakers mm-hmm. is clutch just feels like they're in the, like they're sitting there chilling with, with Palinka and Johnson being smoking stogies and being like, okay, how are we going to mm-hmm. get them? Well, they just- like it feels like they're in their Godfather style plotting, and it—they haven't done a good job. They've been very bad. The way no, they, no, they're, they're, they're really things bad has at been pretty bad. And guess what? D'Angelo Russell's an all-star now in Brooklyn. Uh, for some reason, they gave away Brooke Lopez for nothing. And, Ju- and Julius and uh, Julius Randall is Julius Randall, solid, uh, solid player for the Pelicans. Who I you know and he's on a one year, isn't he? He's on a one year, right? He's on so like he's, a, he's, he's either on a two plus one or a three plus one. But you would you rather have Julius Randall this year or Lance Stevenson and uh, like who else? Michael Beasley's in China now. They've been terrible. They've been awful, and they could have re-signed him. And you know what? Here's the thing: when you sign a player, you can trade them. You know, if you oh no, check this out: Julius Randall is on a player option, bro. He can he can leave after this season. Oh, he's on a one year. Oh, damn. Julius Randle, look at you, son. You're gonna get some money. He'll he'll oh, get paid by somebody. Yeah. Paid, son. I mean, the the Lakers are a dumpster fire and they've like just banked on things. Like they you know, the worst thing ever though is like they didn't want to trade and I like Brandon Ingram. I'd rather have Brandon Ingram than uh Ben Simmons. Yeah, I said it. But they wouldn't trade. Uh, they wouldn't trade Brandon Ingram for uh, for for Paul Paul George, and he's an MVP candidate this year. 
Yeah, I love how they're like, no, we're not going to trade anybody for Paul George. Like, I I think what's funny is they thought that they could like it was everything was going to go exactly the way it's just going to come up Lakers. LeBron was too easy for them. LeBron was there because he wanted to get his acting deal. He's going to make Space Jam. He wants to get Hollywood. Like he just wanted to be to L.A. And the Lakers took that as like everybody wants to come to L.A. Instead of like LeBron using them. And now it was too easy. It was too easy. Well, it's no. like that dude who gets his first sale. Like the guy who comes into a sales job gets like a massive big first sale and thinks that's all going to be like that. Mm-hmm. And then just just totally gets run over and flamed by everybody else as everyone else is just cooking him because they know how to run the system. And that's what I mean. And the Lakers are picking up L's left and right. And I, for one, am thrilled to see them become uh, the Knickerbockers West. <laughs> They're just, they, they've got LeBron and they wasted a whole year of it. LeBron, LeBron is Carmelo. Like LeBron is pulling a Carmelo. He went over there. Um, the, the Knicks were like, this is our big time moment. And they didn't realize that Carmelo just wanted his bag and wanted to be in New York. And meanwhile, you have LeBron who he just wanted to be in LA. And then, he oversold himself. He's like, dude, everybody wants to be with me. And I think this was the year sort of like with Kobe where everyone's like, no, I'm good now. I'd rather play with somebody else. And, and he didn't, it's LeBron. It's looking the mirror time, man. Like you're, you're in that Kevin Garnett age now. Like you got to build it. He's, he's just got to, he made his bed. Now he's got to sleep in it. And, that I includes, love it. That includes. Brandon. And they fall to 11. They fell to 11th tonight. They're 11th. They are going to really have a hard time making the playoffs. The West is really hard. And that's when the other thing LeBron uh, probably uh, took for granted is just how easy it is to make the playoffs in the East. You can take a, t- a two week vacation and just live in Miami for two weeks. If you do that in the West, you find yourself in 11th, like the Lakers did because LeBron missed. Uh, you know, three or four weeks because of injury, and now, you know, good luck. The Dallas Mavericks are only two and a half games back of the Lakers. The Lakers are tied with the Timberwolves. They're two games back of the Kings. They're three games back of the Spurs. They're uh two. Uh, let's see here. They are three and a half games back of the Clippers. They are four and a half games back of the Jazz. Like. And they got the one of the toughest schedules to end the season. Like, welcome to the Western Conference, LeBron. Mm-hmm. Welcome. All this cupcake and saying you're the king and all of that. Like, it's cool. You had the yellow brick road basically leading you the way. Well, everybody else had to have a house thrown on them game after game after game in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. And bro, welcome. Yeah, good luck. And it is beautiful. And I am going to absolutely love to retweet every single one of those Lakers dudes when I said, I don't think the Lakers are making the playoffs this year. And, and I put that from the SLC dunk account. I had Lakers fans coming out being like, yeah, yeah, whatever. He's a Lakers, the end of the showtime, showtime. Yeah. Dude. Go, go uh, retweet Anthony Irwin. I'm sure he was really yeah. excited about that. that Anthony- Dude, just, go, just find your Golden State. Find your Steph Curry jersey. Yeah, for reals. It's, it's time. 
<laughs> it's really true because go buy a De'Aaron Fox jersey because that team's going to be better than your trash Lakers for the next five years. It's true. Screw the Lakers. They're not good. Uh, LeBron is great, but uh, they weren't willing to trade Brandon Ingram, who is better than Ben Simmons for uh, Paul George. It's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Nuts. <laughs> Love it. I'm glad. <laughs> Love it. Say that hot take. <laughs> and, and here's 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 the here's the other thing. Uh, I we have not talked about how much we both love that the like the New Orleans New Orleans Pelicans, which you could say, um, if you were going to list like top five most dysfunctional front offices, New Orleans would be in the running. Mm-hmm. New Orleans clowned and exposed the Lakers just pulled a troll job to end all troll jobs. They knew it wasn't going to go down. And so they were like, you know what? We got five days to kill. Let's have some fun. Screw the team that screwed us. I love it. Like, this is great. Like they were the, they were the troll on the message board being like, okay, how are we going to have this end up in flames? And he's like, make them trade everybody. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> it worked it really worked like it's i want to at the end of the off season i i this is what needs to happen Dell demps needs to have a tell-all book of um all the different ways they like tried to get the lakers to really believe that they were working and, it and my favorite thing is like oh go ahead it worked well i was gonna say, well, and my favorite thing has been like their owner just said hey uh, we're not making a trade. Sorry. And Del Demps is like, you sure? And the owner is like, yeah. And behind, under her breath, she's like, because I'm firing you in a week. <laughs> and the Lakers just like just did that to themselves because they don't know how to keep their mouth shut. But they just made yeah. them look like morons. And it might not have even been like like the Del, Del Demps went full YOLO in his last week. Like he went full yoga. He's like, Hey, if I'm going to do this, I'm just going to go out guns a blazing. Like I've always wanted to do this. Mm. Let's call up the Lakers. Tell, tell them I want all of their young players for four first rounders unprotected and, uh, a Volvo. <laughs> and it destroyed the chemistry of the Lakers. Let's, let's just, and let's blow them up. I, I do. I do think one thing we did not talk about, and I think it 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 shook the jazz. And I, I think there's still reverberations of it. Is um, the jazz going to the wire and not getting Mike Conley? I think that shook the jazz pretty good because I said it in my piece when it was just like you're in the big time now. No one cares about your feelings. Um, the jazz, uh, the front office, and Dennis Lindsay has to know this. He indirectly basically went down to the wire and through hit through rumors and through who he was throwing to try to get um try to get get Mike Conley. Um he basically said to Derek Favors and Ricky Rubio more explicitly than he ever has when it comes to rumors, because before it'd be like, no, we're not really sure in this. But this was like he was hunting. Like the deal was out there and they thought the deal for Mike Conley was getting done. And they indirectly said, we don't want you here. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, that was very, very well received from Ricky Rubio when after the deadline um, had passed, he said, well, some, he's like, the front office sometimes doesn't understand the chemistry that we have here or what we're doing down here and how important that is. And that is the closest I have heard anybody come to a shot at Dennis Lindsay. 
since since he's been here. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Like that's the closest. And even then, it was indirect because he was just saying sometimes a lot of front offices they don't understand that what's going on in the locker room, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. But it, 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 but I saw that and I was like, yeah, message received. You know, it. it and I and I can imagine for Ricky Rubio as any of us, if you don't want you when you know like you're you're on your your last legs at a job, uh, it it is uncomfortable and it and it feels absolutely dreadful mm-hmm. knowing that. You know, you're not wanted. Um, and I think what's uncomfortable is um, in the NBA, you still have a contract. So it's not like, dude, two weeks, I'm out. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this is uncomfortable for me and everybody else here. And I, I see this is not amicable for us. Um, he still has to play through it. And I think um, that's going to, uh, whether you like it or not, it's going to be a storyline. Um, for the rest of the season is how does he play despite um, being thrown up in every type of trade package to try to bring the Memphis point guard home? Mm -hmm. Well, and I think we've already seen that he's struggled with that and he struggled against Mm -hmm. Westbrook wasn't able to seem, it seems less like just, he's just, it's getting to his head a little bit. Hopefully he can figure it out. He played much better against, uh, the the Mavericks and it actually was a night a big part of the reason the Jazz were able to win that game but I mean that's part of the mm-hmm. NBA too I mean that's the thing is like sometimes I'm like you know uh that's he's a he's a nine year vet that's he's the, a nine year vet like it's it's this shouldn't be surprising and he's been playing professionally since he was fourteen it was like dude people get traded all the time and yeah it, it's a I understand from Cooley when Jack Cooley's like man I've been I've cried every single time I've cut it's heart-wrenching i get it mm-hmm. now but at the same time like you when you sign a contract you you're like this is a this is the terms of the agreement and and, no and, and it, and it no seeds just that's just a fact you know it's it seeds control it's it seeds control and so at at some point you got to know that um you're you know no very few players uh, get to be at the level where they're untouchable, uh-huh. and even then, at some point, all players be get to the point where they're not untouchable. Mm-hmm. So it's a reality. Well, I think that's I think that's good for it's the gig. I th- I think so. I think I think we got. I think we're giving people a really good welcome back. <laughs> the Jazz are going to be really good, but I, I feel. They're going to win a lot of these games. I, I think they're going to be fine. I, I think they're going to be fine. I, I do think um, just because they're so up and down, I do think there's a slight chance they could just be on that night seed looking in if things don't go right, um, if they continue to be uh, inconsistent against really easy and really easy schedule. So far, it doesn't look like that. Um, against really bad teams, they house them. Against really good teams, they struggle. So that, I mean, that, that's a, that's who we know the Utah Jazz to be. That's why they're trying to go out to get Mike Conley. But um, in that way, they are consistently inconsistent. So <laughs> there are Utah Jazz. <clears throat> well, uh, Milo, I got nothing else to say. I think the Jazz are going to do pretty well. But we'll let's just hope. Let's hope Ingles is good, uh, like we've been talking about. But guys, if you haven't already, uh, good. Uh, we've got the new host of the website. So you should be able to see all these uh, – um, 
all the podcasts within slcdunk.com. So make sure you go to slcdunk.com and read that. And then you'll see the latest episode of the SLC Punks podcast. But an even easier way to do it is just to go to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast or to wherever. And you can subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, um, we're on Stitcher. Every, um, we're on we're on all the places now. Everywhere you listen to uh, good podcasts, you'll you will listen to SLC Dunk. And then also uh, give us a rating and review. We would appreciate it. Whatever you want to say. Uh, we didn't read those recently, but I think there's a couple new ones. We'll have to check those out next time. Uh, Milo, yep, yep. I will talk to you next week. Yeah. See you later. Bye.